Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate you all reading that. I can tell you I'm a little bit anxious to get started today, seems like, but what a joy to uh, be in a service and to see all the gifts of God's people expressed here today in so many different ways in the church from our congregation. Thank you all that gave your time and talents and shared with us today. We appreciate it. I want to continue a message of joy, um, and uh, today I want to talk about the source of joy. So would you turn once again to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, that wonderful Christmas story that pronounces the sweet, glad tidings of God's gospel and how we should receive it with much joy and thanksgiving. Man, what a blessing we have. What a God we serve that has given us such reason for joy. would be a shame, wouldn't it, not to be joyous given what God has done for us in every way. The source of joy. Now, I said the other day, last Sunday, that I wanted to try to use four messages from joy from these three verses, verses 8 through 10 from the Gospel of Luke. I think the Lord would show us that. I'm sure there's many others. Really, joy is hard to express. I mean, really, you think about it. The Apostle Paul took a whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 to try to define love. How in the world could you define joy? You can't go to the dictionary to do it. You can't. So it is a, it's a combination, I believe, emotion, desire, uh, uh, our strength. Uh, certainly feelings are involved. But, but it's really just a realization of reality and the state that we're in as believers. So, so the, Christian, the Christian church, uh, say like, look at it like this with me. Uh, from, from the preaching perspective, I believe there's two messages that that we're to promote. One is to the world, and uh, that we have a great Savior. And so those that God has, has chosen by His grace before the foundation of the world, God will, uh, by the Holy Spirit, draw them to Himself. Uh, he, he will do that. And the message needs to be proclaimed that sin uh, separates from God. If the wages of sin is death, you need to hear that. The whole world needs to hear that. And those that respond to it will be those that God has given the Spirit to, to receive it and bless it. We don't know who they are. So we're to pronounce the word and promote the word uh, and tell it on the mountains of the world everywhere we are. Then, though, there's a message, and that's what I want to come today, uh, to God's people only. And that is the message that there is a Savior that brings you comfort. This message in Luke chapter 2 was not for the world. It was for particular people. It did not bring joy to everybody. It surely didn't bring a joy to, to Pharaoh and Pilate and all those that were trying to, to do away with the Lord and to kill the seed of the woman that has been going on since Genesis. So everybody didn't find joy in this, but there's some that did. And that's what I want to say to you today because... I believe that you are God's people, and so we want to see that we need the joy. We need to be strengthened. That's edification. This is the message of gospel. So there's an evangelistic message that you come to Christ because you're a sinner. We all are. And he has saved, he saves you because of his shed blood. Then there's a message of comfort, of edification to God's people. And frankly, I believe that's pretty much what all the New Testament is about. It is. So right here, we want to look at the source of joy. And let's look at verse 8 in Luke chapter 2. And it says there, And they were in the same country, shepherds 
abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now, I want to use four points this morning. I'm going to use this one from this verse. I want to use this from the source of joy. To find the source of joy, you've got to be in the right place, the right place. So we see these shepherds were in the field keeping their flocks by night. They were doing their daily work. They were going about their own business. See, that, that's the place. Okay. Now verse 9 says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. My second point regarding the source of joy is going to hinder, hinder a, a hover around the path, the right path. So already we see in verse 8, we see the right place. Verse 9, I want us to see the right path. There is a path to joy. And we, we need to embrace that. It's not the path we think it is sometimes. Nor did the shepherds. I think about Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem. They didn't think it would be the path to joy. You hear me? They, they were following a star, the shepherds, but when they got there, they found what? They didn't find a, a whole lot of uh, prompt and uh, ado and pleasurable. They found a stable and a manger, but they found joy. That's how it's going to be for you and me. There's a path to joy, and we need to get on that path and make sure we are. God does allow you turn, hear me? He does. It does. And we have a tendency, every one of us, to veer off the path. We're like sheep. We like to go astray. We don't know what we're doing most of the time when we do it. But the one thing that we do, you know, sin, you can never lose anything to sin but joy. <laughs> That's what you lose. When you lose your joy, you lost about everything, really, that means anything. Your fellowship with the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So in this verse, I want to use the third point. Uh, finding the right source is you've got to have the right promise. This is a promise. That's what the gospel is, it's a promise. And God always keeps his promise. So, so fear, sure, because we're at sinful people. We have a holy God. They had a right to fear. But, but you know what? God gives us a promise, and that's where we find joy. The Scriptures will bring you joy. You want to cultivate joy in your life? You get into this book. It will bring you joy. Okay? And then, and then verse 10, uh, wait a minute, verse 11, And for unto you is born... This day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So here we have the person. That is the source of joy. And that person is Jesus Christ. That is the person. He is our joy. Any good to know that he'll never be taken away from us? Any good to know that Jesus is not something that has to happen? He's already happened. He is ever living to make intercession for us. Isn't it amazing to know that we have such a Savior that's living all the time for us, that died for us so that we can live for Him? So what I want to try to do in the moments we have together is look at the source of joy and, and think about it from the aspect of, of the right place, the right path, the right promise, and the right person. Pray that God would be honored and glorified in this. 
I did take my coat off today. I do that some. I used to do it more. I don't know. Maybe in my old age, it's tripping up on me. And I really uh, don't like the way it looks sometimes to take it off. I really think it's too showy, and I don't like that a bit. But if, if I thought that, that God would be more pleased with how I dressed, then I tell you, I'd wear a six-piece suit with frills and a robe and a golden belt. I would. But I just got a feeling that maybe God would heat this thing up a little bit today, but this thing about joy, and this weather outside is a little bit warmer, so I just took my coat off, okay? And I pray that you'll bear with me on that. So what I want to do is express to you with joy, because I'm going to tell you, you and I have to understand we have an all reason to be joyful. And sometimes the coats of life, you know, you might say religion or you might say the things that kind of hinder us. I just feel freer when I have my coat off. I don't look any better, probably look worse, but I feel better. And, and I learned a long time ago a lesson. Uh, John Mack, my, my daddy, uh, told me one time, I, I grew up when, when you had to go outside or you had to build a fire in your own house. You're, any of you ever grew up like that? You had to get up in the cold winter and build a fire. And if you didn't build it, it didn't get built. And it was a hard thing to do to build a fire when it's cold. So what you're going to do in your, your life, you've got to build a fire in your heart, okay? You can't, you can't depend on somebody else to build it for you. You've got to get out and do it. But I learned a lesson one time. I told my daddy, he said, Randy, I was kind of, you know, maybe a teenager, I don't know. He said, you need to go out and cut some wood up. Afternoon, and I said, I mean, it was almost sleeping out there. I said, Daddy, it's too cold to do that. And I never forget what he told me. He said, Son, that axe has a heater in it. If you get out there and cutting up wood, you're going to heat up. I, I just want to tell you all that this book is a sword in a light manner. It's an axe, and you know what? It'll heat you up. You you might think this world is cold. I don't want you to think it. It is. Hey, we're living in an evil place. We need to accept this world. We're not going to change that. But God has not called us to be hermits or live in a monastery. God has called us to live in this world and to be heated up, joy-filled Christians. First John chapter 1 and verse 4 says, I tell you these things, the apostle said, that your joy may be full. So God wants us to have a joy-filled life. Now that's what God wants. And do you think that God would tell us something to do and not provide a source for it to do it? He will not. God has given us the source. But what we got to do, sometimes we got to stir these embers that God has given us. We got to build a fire. And, and you know, I remember I used to deliver firewood sometimes for folks when I was in college. And I would, many times, I'd, they wanted green oak. They would want a load of green oak. I'd say, all right, I'll get you a load of green oak. I would bring him a load of green oak, and I would just ask him a question. I said, what are you going to start this with? I said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're going to have something to get green oak started. You just can't put green oak on a fire. I mean, you know, and, and they just seemed surprised. And then later they'd call me back and say, you got anything to make this wood start? I said, I'm going to bring you some fat lighter. You know what fat lighter is? I'm telling you, fat wood, flat wood's fat lighter will build a fire. Where does that come from? It comes from death. It comes from, from a tree that was standing, that was resinous, that died, that was cut down. 
Just like Jesus was cut down for you and me. And that, that results of that brings up a resin that you can't have without death. Except Christ died for us, we'd have no joy. It's not about who we are and what we've done or where we've been or where we're going. It's about Jesus and about him being the source. And he will get our fires going and I pray that the Lord would bless us through his Holy Spirit. Since joy is a fruit of the Spirit, he, he has to be noted as the source of joy. So let's look just a moment at the right place. Now these shepherds again were in their fields watching their sheep. You might be in your homes. You might be at your work. You might be in various callings of your vocational life. You might be in your retirement. But what I want you to make sure we know is wherever that place is, that you need to be at a place where your joy is full. And you might say, well, how can we have joy in the world that we're in? How can we have joy? You know what? Jesus, that's how. That's the, that's the culmination of joy. And if you can't have Jesus, if you can't have joy, then you don't have Jesus the way you need to have him. He is not in the right place in your life. You know what place God needs to be in your life? Number one, first place. You've got God first in your life, you're going to have joy in your life. But the very moment, the very moment you start loving the world more than you love Jesus, is the very moment your joy is going to dwindle away. I'm going to tell you God has a way of bringing us to the right place. And the right place as far as God concerned, because God says, I want you to be full of joy. You, be, you come to the place that we need him. You know what the safest place for you and me to be? is right at the foot of the cross. Bowed down before God. Weeping because of our sins. You know what we think? We think we can celebrate before we can have joy. You've got to weep before you can have joy. Weeping endures for a night, the Bible says, but joy does come in the morning. You're going to have to get in places that you're going to have to see that you're not such a big guy. You're going to have to get in places where you're going to have to see that you desperately need the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get in that place, you're in the right place. I know I, I read somewhere, I can't remember who said it, the guy said, you know, the only thing I, I'm really concerned about in heaven says it'll be, a, it'll be a place I won't have to repent anymore. It says, I just, I just am so thankful for the joy God gives me in repenting. You know, there's a lot of so-called Christians that haven't got to the place where you've actually repented to God for your sins. And I'm going to tell you, to that extent, we're not in the right place before God. God will bring you to that place. He brought David there. And he brought Nathan to tell him that he was the man. And David says, I have sinned against God. And David lost the joy of his salvation. But he had to get to that place. The apostle Paul got to the place on the road to Damascus. And he got there, and God knocked him down. And when he got through talking to Paul, Paul got up and said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? Have you got to that place yet? Have you got to that place where your place didn't mean so much that God's did? That's what makes the difference. You know, you think of life. You think of what we have and what we don't have. We think about this world we're living in. You think God is just standing beside and wondering about this? You think it's surprising to God? I think God is putting us in our place. 
I think God is showing us that we need to have the place that God has given us. And there's no place that God can't be. The strength of Gideon's army was not in how many people they were. It was not. The strength in Gideon's army was, was because every man was in his place. Are you in your place? Every man, woman, and child need to be in your place. Your place is embracing the will of God, rejoicing every day because there's no place that we ought not to be full of joy. And we don't need to try to go any place where Jesus won't go with us. We shouldn't because we won't have the joy. And we need to understand that. And we need to rejoice that there's no place that we can go as believers that Jesus won't be there because he is our joy. You know, uh, Psalm 139, David says, if I go to hell, thou art there. If I go in, in up and down, I'm there. No, he says, whither shall I go? He says that I would be apart from your spirit. Nowhere. Man, I'm going to tell you what a blessing we have to understand that and bless God in that in our life. I'm telling you, what I want to say is God, well, let's do, I want you to do with some, whip, whip over in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. I mentioned this verse a while ago. I want you to look at it in writing. 1 John chapter 1 verse 4. Here we have the apostle John, and he's just manifesting that he had seen Jesus. They had seen, touched him, some of them. The resurrected Lord. They've handled the word of life. Verse 1. But verse 4 is where I want to go. It says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So, so let's look at that. Now, how in the world can we have joy that's full? Because I don't have to tell you guys, there's a lot of this world that hurts. There's a lot of times that we're not so joyous because we have problems. We have hurts. We have disappointments. We do have losses. We do. Yes, we do. But even though our, our, our better part of us, our faith is hooked up in heaven, but our afflictions are here on earth. This is real. These problems are real. Sin, there's consequences of it. And all the joy seems to slip out. So how are we going to deal with it? Well, we're going to deal with it by facing the reality of it. We're going to have to deal with it from the place looking up, not looking down, okay? That is in the right place. We're going to have to understand that every sorrow that comes to our life is from God. When you understand that, that is in the right place. Because God, you see, being sovereign and loves you like he does, every sorrow comes to you and me so that we can be strengthened and get in the place that we see our need from God. See, we live in an evil world. 1 John 5, 19 says graphically this world is evil. And we're not going to change that. It's not. But we our understanding that we're not to say, well, what are we going to do about it? We just don't have anything to do with it? No. I mean, we, we can't quit. We shouldn't. We can't be uh, just melancholy about it. We need to be vibrant. We have to need flashing eyes of faith and joy in our hearts that we can be more than conquerors right here in this evil world because of Jesus, okay? 
That's what joy does because that is what sends the most profound witness to the world that you are God's people. See, God, you're in the right place. You say, well, I, I have so many problems. I have all this. No, that's exactly where God's placed you. God has given you your place. And we need to be joyful. We need to be singing. We need to be rejoicing from our souls that God has loved us enough to give us a place. And our place is right before his throne of grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. Hey, these shepherds, though they had fear, when they come right in their place, what it means is, hey, we have a throne of grace that we can come boldly to to find help in time of need because Jesus closed that gap between us and God and sin. So this verse clearly says that we're to be full of joy. It also implies by saying that it, like it does that we might not always be. So our joy needs looking after. Your joy needs looking after. And you're going to do it. And you have all the materials you need. You know, Habakkuk in chapter 3, that prayer Habakkuk prayed. You know what he said? He was in the right place. I'll tell you how I know. He says, though the, the stalls are empty, there's no crops in my fields. You ever had that feeling? There's no money in the bank. There's nothing. My work's gone. My health's gone. Everything was gone with Habakkuk. Yet he says in verse 18 of Habakkuk 3, yet he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. See, he was at the right place. It's amazing to me that some of the poorest people are the happiest people. I remember growing up picking tobacco in the, in the fields, and I remember we had this, we called it help, you know, you, they had to go around and get help in the mornings, and we'd all get and pick tobacco all day. I mean, some of the most happiest people I've been around in my life. I would go with Daddy to take them home in the evening, and we'd put them out in these little shanties, little shacks. I mean, just had nothing. I'm going to tell you, they were happy. They were happier than my daddy was, and he owned the tobacco field. I'm going to tell you, it's amazing how that works. Sometimes, you know, you have so much, you're not happy about it. You don't have any joy about it anyway. What a blessing. Secondly, I want us to see that we got to have the right path, the right path. And the, lo, the angel in verse 9 came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, and they were sore afraid. Here's the deal. If you're on the right path, if you're faithfully serving God one day at a time, one step at a time, you will always have the materials. You'll never run out of materials to have joy in. We see that from the back. But I remind you, too, of the widow of Zarephath. You remember that widow? That widow... Uh, had nothing. She was about to her last meal. And Elijah came. And she said, I don't have anything. And he said, well, let's go get what you got. And you know what the Bible says? Her, her cruise never failed. She never run out of oil, never run out of meal till the, till the famine was ended. I mean, we're just like that. You have joy. You got to just look for it. You got to find some fat ladder somewhere in your life. You got to look back at God and what he's done for you. How he's changed your life. How he's making something out of you. See, this path that I'm called talking about is really a walk to God. It's a path of sanctification. It's not about, well, you know, i got to get good enough. Well, maybe I need to go to church more. No, what it needs to be is you understand that you're on this path. You're just a shepherd. You know, these shepherds were the most despicable people as far as society goes. 
There's a lot of people that try to follow God and yet they don't follow him right because they're worried about what people are going to think of them. They say, well, you know, there's so many people in the church that do worse than I am. They're hypocrites, so I'm not going. Or else you feel like, well, I've done all this. I can't go. What I'm trying to tell you, there's a Savior that Jesus went to the cross for that, to mend all that, to bring you, to give you some really good news so that you can maintain that joy in your life. But there's a path to joy. And that path is a path that leads to God. Now that path sometimes is kind of hard going. You know, I, I don't like to say things about me. I, I, you have to forgive me, I play that God will. But, but I, sometimes it just comes in my heart. I just got to tell you so that you can relate to it. That's what I want you to do. I remember in the woods years ago, some of you guys can relate to this. There's some places in the woods that are hard to get through. I mean, there's some briars. Uh, there's some, in our area, there's some tie-ties we call them, sparkle bears. You can't really walk through that mess. Life is kind of like that. I've been in those places. And I, you know what I found? It just came to me this morning. I don't know why, but I hope it was from God. I got out on my knees, not, not to pray, because I couldn't walk. You know? Sometimes God will get you on your knees so you can see the path because when I got down, you can remember this. Think about this with me. Here I am in this swamp and, and knee deep in briars and mosquitoes and you get down and you can't move. Every move you make, there's a briar hanging on your ear, okay? And so what you do, you get down on your knees and you find a path. I found a path. Maybe the deer made it. I don't know. But I found out you can crawl. You can make it. You can get out. I don't care how briary this world gets. What I want to tell you, for a believer, we should not want a path that does not have some thorns in it. We should not want a path that has no problems in it. Because why? Because that's where you get your joy. You watch him. God will bring you joy out of your deepest sorrow. He will. I didn't set this up. I'm, I'm glad there's people putting prayers on. Last Sunday we talked about the strength of joy. I didn't know Corbett Deloach was going to do the ending prayer. I didn't know that. But I'm going to tell you if there's anybody I ever met that had joy, that has lost two of his children, almost teenagers and grown son. I've been there with one of them. I have seen the joy. That man dismissed a, a service that God's word had promoted the strength of joy. Now that joy came through sorrow. Here it is, here's the way it is. Here's the path you've got to be on if you want joy. There's things in my life, and I bet we could go around the room. Everybody in this place has regrets. We all have messed up, if we're honest with ourselves. I know I sure have. I probably have a lot worse than anybody in here. But I'm going to tell you what I've said, and I'll say this before you and God. I wouldn't do those things again, by the grace of God. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something else. I really mean it. I wouldn't change a thing. I would not change a thing. Man, all these mistakes I've made bring blessings to my life. All these mars and mistakes in my life. Man, what? These crosses I bear, that's where my joy is at. It's not in some of my life to have been perfect. I'd have got just the right job. I'd have had just the right kind of marriage. I'd have had just this, that, and the other. I'm going to tell you what, you forget God when those things happen. But when God brings you down that path where you really see you need Him, that's what this was happening to these shepherds. That's what's happening to the world. That's what Joseph and Mary had to see when they went to Bethlehem. You think they were going there and think, well, this is a good path. Let's just go. Let's be a little vacation for us. 
No, it didn't happen like that. It's what God does. God will bring joy out of your deepest sorrows. He will. It's amazing to me. I've noticed this. I've been in hospitals, nursing homes, and I have seen people in a wheelchair that had more joy than the person that was pushing them had. The person that was pushing them was acting like they were mad with the world. And that man and that woman in that wheelchair, they were joyous. Why? Why? Because they had that source of joy. They accepted that path that God had given them was a path to express the joy of the Lord. So we have the right place for that source of joy. We have the right path for that source of joy. And we have the right promise. The right promise. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Or behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I want to make, make sure we know this is not going to change. Jesus is not going to go back on his word. So, so our joy needs to be filled with the promises that God has given. This book is a promised book. And if it's all wrapped up. Every verse of the Bible is really kind of like the swaddling clothes that wrapped Jesus in the manger. Every one of them. Now the deal is, are we going to believe it? Because the more we believe it, the more joy we're going to have. You need to, and I want to encourage you to read the Bible. Read the Bible. You say, well, I don't understand. You read it. You'll be surprised what God will do with things you don't understand. He will bring you joy. That's what he'll do. You read the Bible. Don't you let a preacher or some sermon keep you from reading the Bible. What I'm trying to do to you is I'm going to say, read this. You read it. You go read 1 John chapter 1. You go read it. It's not, it's not for me to just say this, this and the other. You read God's word because that is where you cultivate joy. It just gets the weeds out of your life. That's what it does. It makes you know that these things in this world, hey, you're going to lose them. You're going to lose loved ones. Grief is the price you pay for love. It's going to happen. But Jesus is there. His promise is sure. You know, I was thinking riding over here. What if God sent me a message? He said, well, Randy, you know, I've been thinking. I appreciate, I'm just paraphrasing, I mean, just, you know, simulating this. God said to me, he said, Randy, you know what? I appreciate you trying to be a preacher, you know, even in your feeble efforts. I appreciate you trying to preach. And I really thank you, Randy, for doing some things. You've come a long way. Maybe, where you could have been, that's for sure. But you know, Randy, I've been thinking, I just, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I don't think, Randy, that, that you're going to make it to heaven. I don't think, because I just can't put up, you, there's all these sins just coming back, and, and I don't think I'm going to be able to forgive you. What if God said that? He said any of us, but he's not. He's not. His love is everlasting. He's not going to go back on his word. See, see, I may, I may break my promise. I mean, I might I tell you, say, I'm coming to see you tomorrow, and, and I might have a good intention to do it, but I might die between now and then. Or, or you know what? I might change my mind. I might have something else come up that I didn't know about. I might be sick, but, but I'm going to tell you, God's not going to back up. And so, so we only have enough joy. I want to say this. I've never said this to anybody in my life. But when God gave me that thought this morning, uh, and, and if that's what he said to me, how would I react to that? 
In other words, if you knew that you were going to hell, God forbid, where would you do? I'm going to say, I want to serve God. I would serve God by his grace even if I knew I was going to hell. Do you hear me? Because I mean it with all my heart. If you're trying to serve God and find joy in the church um, just to miss hell, hey, you, you're in the wrong place. You're serving God for the wrong reason. Because I'm going to tell you, you serve God and you want to have joy, you have joy because you're not going to hell because you've been there. You've already been there. You know what it's like to be separated from God. You know what it's like to be down in those ditches. I do, and some of you do, but I'm going to tell you, we understand that because God has made a promise. And he says, all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and, in I, and, and I will in no wise cast out those that come to me. Jesus said that himself. Jesus said, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what Jesus said. That's a promise. That's a promise from God, not man. God's got a promise. Now you can look at all these newscasts you want to, and I personally think all of them shade the truth a whole lot. But I'm going to tell you what, God will never do that. He will make a promise to you. He keeps his promise. He's going to bring it up, and he's going to bring it out. Real quickly, the right person. This is what I've been talking about the whole time, I hope. And that is Jesus. In verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He's the right person. I do want you to flip over with me. Quickly to John's gospel. I won't keep you but a minute. Because I don't want your joy to leak out thinking this preacher's preaching too long, okay? Because I could do it. I know I could. But I'm not. Lord willing. John's gospel 16, what we're talking about is the right person. That person is Jesus. You want joy? It's not something you're going to get in this world, okay? It's not... It's not uh, Everything you thought you wanted, having it. Joy is Jesus. That's, that's joy. And so the angel is saying, I bring you good tidings of great joy, the greatest joy. There's no joy upon this earth that can compare to Jesus. In fact, if you're following Jesus in the right place, the right path, in the right promises, you'll have more joy in whatever you're doing than you've ever known before. That's just amazing. That's amazing grace. But that's the joy that God gives us. And we never run out of it. But the right person is Jesus. I ask you to turn to John 16, verse uh, 20. Let's look at that one. Verily, verily, Jesus said, this is in red in my Bible, I say unto you that ye shall reap and lament, but the world shall rejoice. Ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. See, the world, this world system we're in, it, it hates Jesus, hates the Word of God. And, and the more it's going to last, the longer it's going to be. It's, it's going to hate it more. I'm, I'm convinced now that genuine Christians, uh, people that want to live with joy of the Lord, is going to be in, in our, is already a minority. So we've got to make every moment count for God. And a woman, when she is travail, in verse 21, a woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as... The, 
as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. Every woman has experienced that that has a child. The pain, the sorrow, but the joy. That's what Jesus is reminded. There's a path of sorrow that leads to joy. And ye shall know therefore, therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart shall rejoice. This is the person. Not that you won't have sorrow, but you have a person that will cause you to rejoice and your joy no man taketh from you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus says you're going to have sorrow, but I'm going to meet that sorrow and I'm going to turn it into joy. That's my message. That's the source of joy, Jesus Notice he says, and in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Ask him for joy. You want something? Give it. Ask God for joy. He'll fill your heart with joy and keep it that way. You maintain it though. And verse 24, therefore, or hitherto, have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask and you receive, and your joy, that your joy may be full. That connects to 1 John chapter uh, 1 verse 4 that we just said. So it doesn't say you might have it. See, Jesus is the person that takes our hurt, our sorrow, which we have in this world, and he turns it into joy and, and keeps that, keep that joy full. And what a blessing it is to see this in his day. What a blessing to know that nothing can separate us from our Savior. Nothing. You know what Jesus is saying to the disciples, hey, I know where you're hurting, but I'm going to see you again. See, that is because of the person. The loved ones that we lose, you know, our heart hurts, but we're going to see them again. That ought to bring us joy. That ought to bring us great joy. It should. In order to keep us full of joy. What a joy we have in serving the Lord in our way. But you know what it should mean? I believe this. Now we can have this attitude that you know, I know the world is in a mess. I know we're probably going to be a socialistic country. I mean, we've probably been living under a democracy longer. I know we have any other nation. I mean, our time is probably about up as far as that goes. Uh, but, but should we say, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, preacher? I mean, what are we going to do? Just weep and cry and say, oh, I know it's coming? No. What did Jesus tell the disciples? He said, I know your sorrow. Well, you're going to see me again. I mean, the disciples should have said, well, I know God, you're not going to be here long, so let's rejoice every moment. I'm going to tell you, I said again last week, I'll say again, every day we live without rejoicing, we waste that day. I'm convinced of that. May the Lord bless us. Jesus, not what you do, you have joy, not because you have faith, not because you've repented, not because you've confessed your sins. You have joy because of the person that your hope is anchored in, and his name is Jesus. May he be praised, and may we glory in him. Would you bow with me? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we'll never understand why you would send your precious Son, only begotten Son, through the Virgin Mary, to be born in a manger in Bethlehem for sinners like us. But we believe it actually happened. Lord, I believe that most of us have spent too much time 
not rejoicing as we should because of it all. Please forgive us, and now, Lord, fill our joy to the brim again and keep us that way so that it could even spill over and slosh around in this poor and sinful world that others might see that joy like they see the light in darkness and glorify you because you're the source of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.